Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the To The Point podcast. As always, I'm your host, Noah Warren. And what a beautiful Thursday we have today. Um, yesterday, I never thought uh, in, my, in my life, I never thought we'd see a Wednesday afternoon football game, but we did. It wasn't the greatest game, but um, I'm here to talk about it today. But before I do, I just want to say thank you to everyone that's uh, followed our social media pages who have uh, liked and commented um, positive thoughts. And to those who have reached out to me personally, I just really appreciate it. Um, you know who you are, and um, I, I, uh, I'm forever in your debt now that you, um, you're supporting me. So if you ever need a favor, uh, feel free to reach out. But um, thank you. I'm going to continue to uh, bring you all content. So please um, be on the lookout for, for new information. I'd also like to thank uh, my sister, Tally Warren, who's helped me with the um, Instagram account. Um, I'm still getting to know this technological stuff. So she's been a, a great hand to me and um, a great support system as well. So uh, also check out her interview on College Hockey Talk, uh, the podcast. She did one yesterday. It's, it's a good interview and um, she'll definitely be a, a future guest because she knows how to answer the tough questions. But now looking uh, looking at yesterday's game was the Pittsburgh Steelers versus the Baltimore Ravens. Now, originally, this game was supposed to happen a week ago today, so Thanksgiving in the States was supposed to be the uh, 9 o'clock primetime game on NBC, but um, a couple days before it started Monday, uh, Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins, the top two running backs for the Baltimore Ravens, both tested positive for COVID. And then Monday, uh, Tuesday morning, I guess, Lamar Jackson, the starting quarterback, tested positive, and that led to Calais Campbell, uh, uh, Brandon Williams, and a slew of almost uh, 20, 18 players and two staff tested positive over the last week. So the game was pushed back from Thursday to Sunday to Monday to Tuesday to yesterday at 340, uh, 4.40 local here in uh, Atlantic Canada because of a tree. It was like a Rockefeller Center tree show on NBC last night. So they couldn't put the game in primetime, which is just absurd to me that the NFL – was pushed back because of some singing Mariah Carey event, but nevertheless. So yesterday afternoon, we saw the Baltimore Ravens have a very depleted lineup. They lost four of their five regular starters on their O-line. Robert Stanley has been out for the past three, four weeks because he tore his uh, ACL. So he's been out. He's an all-pro. Um, and we saw James Conner miss for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He... Um, he uh, is their starting running back, and he was out because of tested positive for COVID. He's also had cancer, so he's at you know there's some potential problems there. Also, the starting tight end, one of the better tight ends in football, Mark Andrews from uh, University of Oklahoma, he tested positive as well. So the game featured, and I was I was excited for the game because we saw Robert Griffin the third. And if anybody, if you guys follow football, you remember him. He uh, went to Baylor in uh, 2011. He won the Heisman Trophy over uh, Andrew Luck, who was the number one overall pick who went to the Indianapolis Colts, who played at Stanford. But he was dynamic in Washington. His first year, he went 9-5 uh, and five as a starter. They made the playoffs. They eventually they lost to uh, the Seattle Seahawks in a playoff game. But he really took the league by storm. He had eight rushing touchdowns. He uh, had led the league for uh, rushing yards by a quarterback. And he wasn't just a runner. Um, he could throw the deep ball. He's, he was a good quarterback, but he lacked 
he lacked the baseball skills that players like Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray have, and that is the ability to slide. There's no points in the NFL for being tough. If you're a quarterback and you get drilled in the shoulder and yeah, the D lineman hit you and you get hurt, you don't get any point. You don't get more salary because you took a big hit. It's smarter to get down. And he never figured that out. And it's so frustrating to me because he was, he was one of the funner players to watch. I love watching him at Baylor. Uh, I could say the same thing for Johnny Manziel. He had some other demons, but he's a similar player at uh, Texas A&M at the time. So Yesterday it was Robert Griffin III with Gus Edwards. Like I said, the two starting running backs weren't weren't in there. But the Steelers had their own problems. They had no starting running back. Also, in their starting center, a Pro Bowler, Maurice Pouncey, was ruled out um, Wednesday night. Not because of COVID, just an undisclosed injury, but um, that's a big loss. He's He's been there for five years. Him and Ben have such a good rapport. And it's important when you're you know handing the ball off that uh, that you have somebody that you can trust. But looking at the game yesterday, to start off, Robert, I, I hated the way that the Baltimore Ravens approached the game. It looked like Robert Griffin III was not allowed to throw the ball. He he always lined up like it was a run-pass option, which I don't mind. That's a good plan when you have a quarterback who does have the ability to run. He's clearly not as fast as he used to be. But he he was always – he was never under center. He was never – you know, took the direct snap and just could throw the ball down the field, you know, look down the field. Um, and I just hated the way that Greg Roman schemed their offense. They, so they start the game, their, their first drive goes nowhere. So does Pittsburgh. So they both have a three and out. Um, but then their next series, they're pushed back on their own territory. And Robert Griffin, the third throws a terrible interception. He throws interception to Joe Hayden. Joe Hayden returns it for a pick six for a touchdown, but it was his fault, but it's just – it's weird to, to me the way they approach the game because, yeah, they're missing their top running backs, but they never they never allowed him to play. I always felt like he had one hand tied behind his back the entire game. Um, but what made – this game was really a, a pretty terrible football game, but what made it interesting was that the Steelers played terrible too. They come into the game 10-0. They look great their last time out. They beat the hell out of J- the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, and like I said, they're undefeated. After uh, after 11 weeks to come to this game, 10-0, undefeated. But Ben Roethlisberger looked like he hadn't practiced for three weeks. He, um, he threw an interception. They were in the red zone again later in the first quarter. He threw a terrible interception on fourth down. It was just a desperation play, but... Nevertheless, it, w- it was bad. Um, and in the first quarter, both teams turned the ball over twice. So Brothersburg and Griffin both threw a pick. Gus Edwards fumbled the ball on a handoff between him and Robert. And then the Steelers, at the end of the second quarter, really gifted uh, – at the end of the first quarter, sorry, gifted Baltimore some points because they muffed a punt. Ray Ray McLeod was calling fair catch, didn't catch it, comp- didn't catch it the right way. And Baltimore got the ball on the Pittsburgh 15 and it ended up with a uh, guess Edwards piling it in for a, a two yard touchdown run. So after the first quarter, it's seven, six Baltimore, and they had uh, 22 yards of total offense, but they were leading the game. So that tells you how much Pittsburgh was, was uh, clicking on offense. And this was really a key theme of the entire game. Pittsburgh, they were, they were moving the ball down the field consistently the whole night. Their offense was pretty good. Ben threw some off-target throws. Guys were dropping balls. Um, Deontay Johnson, who's 
probably Ben's favorite target. Didn't have a great game. He dropped some passes he should have caught. But really, Ben, too, he was kind of like uh, Robert Griffin the third, where he was not throwing anything more than five six yards. It was all dink and dunk. It was all uh, vintage Tom Brady uh, just throwing it to uh, running backs. And uh, in Pittsburgh's offense, they run a lot of spreads. So they'll have receivers um, crossing each other. They'll have guys running behind the line of scrimmage. And Ben would just throw it to his receivers because they wouldn't break more than ten, uh, five, six yards, like I said. So they make it 9-7, uh, Pittsburgh. And then they also had another field goal. So it was 12-7 at the time. And this brings us to the turning point of the game. This changed the game. And I have a lot of thoughts on it. It was late in the second quarter. And finally, Baltimore put together a competent drive. Robert Griffin III ran... He did a quarterback keep. He ran for a 39-yard gain. Gus Edwards was moving the ball. And they got down into the red zone. And it was uh, first and goal at the Pittsburgh uh, six. And Gus Edwards runs for two yards, 28 seconds on the clock. And John Harbaugh calls timeout. If it was his first timeout, this would be – I'd have no problem with it. It was his last timeout. And John Harbaugh, uh, he's – I was a fan of him, and this season I really haven't been. I think he's one of the biggest complainers in the NFL. He's been bitching about COVID when one of his staff members is the one that really causes outbreak. He uh, wouldn't shake uh, Mike Vrabel's hand when they lost to Tennessee because he's a poor sport. Let's just be honest. People call out Tom Brady for not doing it. Well, John Harbaugh's acted about as bitchy as his brother does in Michigan. So he, he's, he's, re- and he's been poor coaching this year too. He's a defensive coach and their defense has struggled at times. And Lamar Jackson, when he's been healthy, I mean, they're six and four coming into this game and they look completely out of sorts. So back to the play. So for the preamble, but he uh, calls timeout. And like I said, it's a stupid decision. You have your last timeout. I wouldn't have done it. So the next play, they run the football. That's fine. If you know what you're doing, but they, if you have timeouts, Sure. When you have 28 seconds, I wouldn't run the ball there unless you have a competent back that you trust is going to put it in the end zone. If you have a Derrick Henry from Tennessee, run the ball because you're not going to stop him in a four-yard uh, to the end zone because he's a freight train. Or even uh, if James Conner was in there for Pittsburgh, I, I have the same opinion. I wouldn't do it unless you have timeouts. Because who knows what's going to happen. So what happens is Gus Edwards runs the ball for no gain. And Pittsburgh stayed on the one man, stayed on the turf, stayed on the ball. So all this time's going away. Clock's ticking down. It's like 15 seconds. A Pittsburgh player still laying on the ground. You could say the refs should have blown it down, which maybe they should have. But I also think this is strategy. They knew Baltimore had no timeouts. Mike Tomlin is a smarter coach, and I guarantee you he told his defensive players, stay down a little longer. Why not? They're going to run the ball because they're not allowing Robert Griffin III to throw. So just stay there, melt the clock. And, of course, Harbaugh's on the sideline running up and down, you know, losing his mind. But this is your own fault, John. Don't use your final timeout on a first, on a first and goal. Spike the ball, run it again. You can run it on second down, call timeout. You run your third down play, and then you kick a field goal, or you, you can go for it on fourth down if you, if you can't convert. But if you call it on second down, 
If you call your timeout after the second down, you're fine because you can run the ball and just throw it out of the end zone. Guess what that does? Stop the clock. So you're fine. But no, he he complains, and then there's three seconds on the clock. And what I thought was going to happen was that Robert Griffin III was going to spike the ball and Justin Tucker would come in and kick a 21-yard field goal. But they don't do that. They do this fake spike, and Robert Griffin III actually does a good play. If there's a fade to recently released tight end, Luke Wilson. And I, I like Luke Wilson. I've heard him interview. He's a good guy. He's from um, – He's from Canada. He's from the Toronto area. Had the ball right in his hands. Should have caught the touchdown. But Minka Fitzpatrick, an all-pro safety, got in there, knocked it away. Should have caught the ball. They would have had the lead 14-7 at half. But they didn't. And he threw the ball to Luke Wilson, who's a tight end who's known to be a blocking tight end. He's not a tight end that you thought that's the most catches he's gotten a year is like 18. So if you're going to throw it to some, they, I realize they have had a lot of injuries with COVID and they don't have a lot of receivers that he trusted out there, but take the points, take the points in that situation. You go down, you're on the road and you go at halftime down 12, 10. That's a win. You have a backup quarterback, half your rosters out, but this play, this whole sequence was so stupid. It John Harbaugh has nobody to blame, but himself. He has nobody really, in this whole thing, in this whole season, he's been a mess. He's been a mess this whole year and both, uh, you know, the whole game. So that was just terrible. And I think it was the turning point of the game. I think if they took the field goal, they go in the 12-10. The rest of the game, I think they can chip away and I think they win. However, the game continued and they didn't. The Baltimore defense continued to play well because they didn't allow Pittsburgh to get many points. It was like I said, it was 12-10 at the half. They only allowed a touchdown the rest of the game. Threw one to Juju Smith-Schuster late in the third quarter. But the Baltimore offense went nowhere all day. They had no chemistry. They looked like they had in practice, which was true because they couldn't because of COVID. But they just they just couldn't do anything with it. Um, and... Actually, Robert Griffin III hurt his hamstring late third quarter, and they had to bring in third-string quarterback, uh, Trace McSorley, who played at Penn State. Well, he made it interesting with about 2.45 left. He threw a 80-yard touchdown to Hollywood Brown, um, which made the game 19-14. So it was at this time where – and Baltimore had three timeouts. So Harbaugh you know, kept his timeouts this half and wasn't stupid. So 1914, but Big Ben, being the technician that he is, just converted first downs, just converted first downs, and the clock went out on the Baltimore Ravens. So this after this game, it's finally the end of week 12. It's the longest week in uh, NFL history. It started uh, last Thursday at uh, 1230 Eastern and finishes um, at 730 or sorry, 638 on a Wednesday the following week. So almost a full, almost a full week of action, which is just crazy to think about. But what what this means for both teams. Pittsburgh is now 11 and 0. 11 and 0 after 12 weeks. They're, they finished their schedule. They have the Washington football team on Monday night now. Their game Sunday has been flexed to uh, Monday night at six. They'll play before the Bills and 49ers on Monday night football. So a cool doubleheader and 
the Ravens will play uh, the Dallas Cowboys Tuesday at nine. So it could be the rest of the year with all these COVID issues could be football every night of the week, which I'm all for. I love it. I get to come on here and talk about it too. So it's, it's good for content and it's good just to, uh, it's good for the head. Um, but Pittsburgh, I think they can go undefeated. I think they can go into in the regular season. I don't think they'll win the Super Bowl, but I think they can go undefeated the regular season. They have Washington, they have Washington, Buffalo. They play Buffalo on Sunday Night Football a week from Sunday. They got Cleveland, which will be tough. They're eight and three. Indy and Cincinnati. I think they could win all those games. They'll be favored to win all those games. They played Cleveland earlier in the year and they thrashed them at home, so they'll have to go to the dog pound. But Cleveland's Cleveland's good, but Pittsburgh, I mean Pittsburgh hasn't lost. People can I'll critique certain aspects of their game. Yesterday they had their whole offense and it looked really bad, but they didn't get to practice as much as they usually do either. And you know, practice I think is often undervalued because especially the NFL because reps timing game planning is so important more than any other sport because you have a week to prepare in hockey you play four games a week you're not you don't have a specific game plan for every team you know by and large maybe if you're playing a division rival that you play five six times a year well you you know them but if you're playing uh, San Jose on a Tuesday you and you're an Easter conference team you, you're not game planning for San Jose specifically. You're just, you're going game to game. In the NFL, you play 16. You have all week to prepare for that specific opponent, for that specific quarterback, for that specific offense, you know, scheme, what have you. And I think Pittsburgh, they get a, they had a poor game. They, to, they get to come back and play the Washington football team. That's a really good matchup to have. So I think they'll thrash them. Their, their defense is good but their offense uh, leaves something to be desired. But um, yeah, like I think Pittsburgh has a good chance of going undefeated. The, the one game I think if they, they might lose is they go to Buffalo. Buffalo's a good team. Buffalo's a really good team. Um, Josh Allen has really emerged as a top quarterback. He hit, uh, he I think he has a bigger arm than Patrick Mahomes. He uh, played at Wyoming. He just slung the ball, and he's a big, big kid, and he can run. Um, and they have, they have a good receiving core, and they have, they have a good team. So that, that'll be – it's great. That's on Sunday Night Football. So week 14, tune into that one. Um, but Baltimore is the bigger issue here. They are now 6-5, and five, and if the playoffs started today, they wouldn't be there. And they have Cleveland – Cincinnati, they got uh, Dallas, they got uh, the uh, Washington football team. So they got they got a pretty easy schedule, but I don't know if they'll beat Cleveland. And that might be their most important game because to get into the playoffs in the AFC, I think you'll need 10 wins at least. So I look at Miami, Miami's in right now. They're seven, uh, seven and four. They play, they play um, this weekend against Cincinnati without Joe Burrow. So I'm going to pencil that in as a win for Miami. That's eight and four. And they play 
New England. They lost to New England this year, but I think they'll win the second matchup. They're a better team now than they were in week one, and New England's a lot worse. Um, and they have Buffalo the last week. That could be a really important game for the division. But I think Buffalo and Miami will both make the playoffs. They have Indy is above the Indianapolis Colts are above um, Baltimore. Indianapolis is seven and four. They're they're really hit and miss. Like they've beaten Green Bay, they've beaten Tennessee. They've looked terrible against Tennessee too. But they, Philip Rivers. It's hard to trust Philip Rivers. I'll admit, but it's hard to trust Lamar Jackson. I mean, Baltimore played terribly yesterday without everybody, but they've been playing pretty bad with Lamar Jackson. They lost to New England, where their offense didn't show up. They've, you know. Their biggest game will be against Cleveland. That'll be a really good, fun game to watch. It's a if I, it's a Monday nighter, so that's in a couple weeks. Uh, they'll play Cleveland on Monday Night Football. So Baltimore, after going fourteen and two last year, Lamar Jackson winning the MVP. This team is really going down a dark path, and I don't think they'll fire John Harbaugh just because he's been there for so long. You know, he's won a Super Bowl, and it seems like if you win one Super Bowl, you get carte blanche to do whatever you want. Uh, so I think he'll be back, but Baltimore, they're in trouble here. And that'll look – Lamar Jackson will be under a lot, a lot of pressure down the stretch. Or if they miss next year, it'll be a make-or-break year for him to really show people that he can do it. And I don't know if he can. He's not throwing the ball well. I think they need to upgrade his receiving core. But it's on this year, you can't update your roster anymore. You know, there's no trade deadline. Trade deadline's passed. So they need to figure out their COVID shit and trust the team. Because you're not going to hear any excuses from me. Because there's COVID all across the league. And teams are handling it better. You know, they had a staff member who had symptoms and showed up to the facility. And guess, that's what started this outbreak. So John Harbaugh complaining that there should be double standards and that, oh, it's not fair and all. Well, Get your staff, control your staff, get it together. Because the NFL pundits and me have no sympathy for you for being a whiny bitch. So figure it out or miss the playoffs and maybe you'll be looking for uh, employment elsewhere. Also uh, around the NFL, I mean, it's it's interesting right now. You have Kansas City who's uh, 10-1. You have uh, Pittsburgh, I said, it's 11-0. You have uh, Tennessee leading the division at 7-4. Tennessee, um, Yeah, Tennessee's looking good. You have uh, Buffalo leading the AFC East. And right there's seven teams in the playoffs this year. So normally there's six. So the top two teams in each conference get a bye during wildcard weekend. But this year, only the team that finishes first in their conference gets a bye. And bye weeks are they have you know people have different opinions about them. I I really don't like them. Um, they hurt like Baltimore had a bye last year, and they played Tennessee, and they lost after having a bye week, having time to rest. San Francisco had a bye and they won. So I guess it depends how you look at it. Um, and if a team's prepared and you know really uh, focused after their bye week, you know after time off, it can be tough to get re-engaged to what you're doing. I think playing every week, you know, is the best, is the best way to be ready for any situation. So 
as of right now, Pittsburgh would have a bye, and the New Orleans Saints would have a bye in the NFC. Um, they're nine and two, and the closest teams to them are the Packers. They're eight and three. So, uh, if I was that, I'd, I'd be worried. I'd be worried a bit um, if I'm the teams wandering on the outside. Like uh, Tampa Bay is struggling right now. They're not guaranteed to make the playoffs. I think they will because there's an extra team. But this the seventh team is really going to help some teams this year. Like. The Miami Dolphins, I don't know if they'd make the playoffs normally. I think they will this year because there's a seventh team. And that helps a young team. That helps, you know, the Los Angeles Rams. They had a tough loss this weekend to San Francisco. They might still make the playoffs because uh, because of that seventh team. So the, the NFL is always changing. It's, it's probably the biggest drastic for sports. It can change so drastically how you look one week and how you look the next. It changes opinion. Like Monday is overreaction Monday. That's what it's called in the NFL because one week you're soaring. You know, you look great. Baltimore was 2-0. And everybody, they played Kansas City in week three and they got blown out. But, you know, it, it always changes because it's a week-to-week league and it's fun because of that. I mean, I love it. The NFL is the funnest thing to talk about, in my opinion, because there's always a story. There's always something that's somebody said or somebody took as a slight. Like, for instance, Monday night, uh, I'll just touch on the Monday nighter. The Seattle Seahawks beat the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, Seattle is now eight and three. They're, um, they're leading the NFC West by a game over the Rams and two games over the Arizona, Arizona Cardinals. But the bigger, the bigger uh, headline from the game, just because other than Carson Wentz looking brutal and he should be, he should be replaced by a second round pick out of Oklahoma, uh, Jalen Hurts, is that Jim Schwartz, the defensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles, told DK Metcalf, the top receiver on Seattle, that he's no Calvin Johnson. He's no Megatron. And DK Metcalf took this as a slight. Um, I don't really, I don't think it's a major story, but it's a talking point. I don't know why Jim Short said it before the game. It didn't make much sense to me why you'd motivate the player, but you know, NFL players are so petty. They're so, so petty, but I love it. Um, how you motivate yourself to win, that's, that's your business. If you win and you're petulant, who cares? Michael, you can make the argument. Michael Jordan was the most petulant athlete to ever lace him up, you know, do whatever, put on shoes. Because he took everything offensively. If you watch the Last Dance documentary, which I recommend on Netflix, it he made up stories to motivate himself. He said that somebody didn't say hello to him when he walked in a hotel. And that was completely, it was, he made up the story, but he went and played that team that night and torched them. And he looked at their bench and basically mocked George Carl because George Carl didn't say hello. And he said, George Carl's like, I said hello to Mike. Like I know him personally, but he did what he had to do. And does it look stupid? Yeah. Cause you're just like, well, Mike, just go out there and play. But 
if it works, it works. And in this case, TK Metcalf caught 10 passes for 177 yards. So did he have a good game? I'd say so. And does this little spat, is it really irrelevant? Yes, but he can use it as a talking point after the game to say, well, I had a big night against this defense and made them look sorry as hell because Jim Schwartz had the audacity to say, I'm not Megatron, but I'm getting there. Well, yeah, DK Metcalf, you're not Megatron. You're in your second season and Megatron at his apex was one of the best receivers in the history of football. He, he'd be a first ballot Hall of Famer if he didn't play in Detroit, where they, all good players go to die. But it, it just it's such a fascinating thing in the NFL that all this is happening. But um, the big thing now for the NFL, as we get week 13, we'll kick off um, Sunday afternoon, is COVID, like the whole world. COVID is a, it's a problem, no doubt about it. Uh, it's gotten to locker rooms. It's gotten into uh, homes. I, I know uh, players had family flying for Thanksgiving, which makes no fucking sense to me. I, okay. You needed to see the family member. You need to see Aunt Tanya from uh, Boise. She needed to fly in to, for you to see her. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe Americans just love their families more than us, or I, I don't know, more than me. I, I don't know. Maybe I need to reevaluate my family, uh, my family tree and how I do things. Cause this is for professional athletes to make that much money seeing on Tanya and, you know, on, on to Rick is shouldn't be the priority. Finish the season. You're making millions of dollars so that you can live the life that you have, get it done, you know, and your athletes, you're going to get the vaccine first. So can you not wait a couple weeks? You know, George Clooney and Sandra Bullock and uh, Aaron Rodgers and freaking Tom Brady, they'll be, get, they'll be getting it first. So, you know, wait a couple weeks and you can go see Aunt Rick and have a beer with him. But uh, it's just ridiculous to me. But COVID is the big thing. It's, it's gotten into locker rooms, but what they need to do, I don't, I've heard reports that they want to do a bubble for the NFL players. And I don't think that'll work. Um, I don't think the NFL players will sign up for it, but also there's 52 players on an active roster. Plus you got to factor in your practice squad, which got um, it's bigger this year. There's 18 players on practice squads, plus all the coaches, all the train, like there's so many people. I mean, you're, the hotel will have so many teams, so many people. I don't think they'll be able to do it. So I don't, I don't see this as a solution. So I think they're just going to have to power through it. College football is going through the same thing. Um, you know, teams are, you know, Ohio State, who's right now in the top four in the college football rankings. They've only played four games, yet they're still ranked fourth, which is crazy. But they might not be able to get through the season. They they have this weekend's game, which is iffy against Michigan State. Next week against Michigan. Some people are saying that Michigan doesn't want to play them, which I don't blame them because they stink. Um, but 
it's a battle right now. And I've said this to my parents, like my sister plays hockey at University of New Hampshire. You got to, if you go into a season, this season, this year, and you suspect, okay, we're going to play. But if one person gets COVID, we're shutting it down. Then why play? Because somebody's going to get it. You're in, a, you're in an environment. You're not in a controlled environment. You're in an environment where you go to the rink, but after the game, somebody goes here, somebody goes there, somebody goes here. And if you trust all your players, well, there's going to be one person, one bad apple, so to speak, that, you know, hits up Tinder or uh, goes to a party. And guess what? If they come back the next day to practice, they've been involved with all these people. So one positive test, shutting down a league or shutting down, like anybody who thinks that I disagree with them because then don't play sports, which I'm never going to promote. If the, I, I remember in March, it was, oh, I was in a bad state. If I didn't have schoolwork to do, I don't know what, what I would have done. There was no sports. Sports makes me, me. And, you know, I, so the NFL, just keep battling. If you need to, I'll watch a football game Wednesday afternoon, next week, if I have to, I'll watch it Thursday. I'll watch it Friday. I don't, I don't care. You know, they're playing a game on Christmas. It's a Friday. They never play games on Friday. I love it. You know, so these leagues just have to battle through the NBA training camps are opening. Um, they open Tuesday. So players are going to test positive. Just control it. Get them out of there. But it doesn't mean you have to shut down the whole league because one or two players test positive. That's an overreaction. They're professional athletes. They're in good shape. It's not, a, it's not a nursing home. How many athletes have died from COVID so far? None. So I'm not saying don't respect the pandemic, but don't overreact to one or two cases. And the NFL is never going to do that because they know how much money is at stake. And they don't want to cancel games because TV revenue, I mean, leagues are... The NHL and even the NBA have taken a huge hit. The NFL, each owner is going to make close to $300 million this year projected with hardly any fans just because of their TV deal. That's a lot less than normal. That's still a pile of money. That's revenue sharing. Every owner gets that. Every owner gets a chunk. So just keep, keep fighting, you know, keep getting through this. Um, and, uh, you know, COVID's, COVID's going to be a reality, but I, I look forward to, to doing this. And I look forward to the NFL every week, but something I'm really looking forward to, which I wanted to make everybody aware. If everything goes well, I know 2020 has been a real fuck up, but for right now, Christmas day, is looking like a great day, which of course, you know, your Christmas, you're eating your family that you can celebrate it with. That's obviously what I'm most excited about really, but also on Christmas, <laughs> as of right now, schedule, there are five NBA games scheduled. There's an NFL game between the Vikings and saints and the world juniors start on Canada day. I'm sorry, on Christmas. And 2020 has been a bitch, but if I can get that, then 
it's all worth it, I guess, because that that day will be so great. Like, I don't know if I'll be able to make it my mother's for dinner. It's just that day, it's coaching central. The clicker will be racing at an all-time high. Um, I just hope we can get through the leagues can get through this. All those games remain scheduled. The, the World Juniors don't get canceled or something. But if that can happen. Oh, it'll, it'll be a, it'll be a great thing. So coming up this weekend, we'll have a countdown to kickoff show. The first one. Um, my old uh, high school English teacher Adam Beers will be joining me. Um, he's uh, my old teacher, but we've been friends for a long time. Uh, he's, he's really the one that gave me the nickname Jughead. So I'll let him tell that story on here. Um, and, uh, yeah, keep on the lookout. I'm, I may do one, uh, before, uh, before Sunday, but that's the next one right now. You never, I always get, if I see something come up, I might just pop on here and have a quick chat with you guys. But, um, like I said, to start, thank you for the support. Thank you for the comments, the likes, um, you know, everything in between. Um, this is going to be a fun ride and I just hope, uh, that I can make you guys part of the experience. So, uh, have a great, have a great day and, uh, we'll talk soon.